Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with Decrom. I'm your host, David Cromolo. Well, we have officially arrived at the halfway point of the 2021 NFL season after a week of games that proved the old saying, anyone can win on any given Sunday, once and for all, with two big underdogs pulling off shocking upsets. Also, parity in the NFL is apparently at an all-time high, as there is still no, and I mean no, clear frontrunner in either conference for Super Bowl 56 honors. Have you, Hal Ben, ever seen a road to the Super Bowl as wide open as this? I can't remember one as wide open as this, David. I feel like I had a handle on the NFL after eight weeks, and now after week nine, all my assumptions are up in the air. I have no idea what is happening. So many upsets, so many first-place teams losing this past week. I'm I'm just at a loss. Uh, I'm looking at so much clutter of teams at five and three and five and four and in the playoff race and a half game or a game out of first, uh, the AFC, especially that last wild card spot in the NFC. It's going to be a crazy second half of the season. I can tell you that much. It most certainly is, but that's why it's the NFL and why we always watch it each and every year. The product just keeps getting better and better, and this year is no exception. That is for sure. And, David, I think, you know, if I had mentioned anything about Jacksonville beating the Bills last week, I would have been locked up and stuck in the funny farm, but amazingly, it happened. It sure did, and we will get to that later on in the program, but – Let's uh, talk a little bit more about week nine with our takeaways. And I'll go with a takeaway of mine. We have maligned the Tennessee Titans defense a lot on this program, but they are absolutely balling right now under first year, new defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen, who's even younger than I am for crying out loud. He is just doing a masterful job in Tennessee. Look at this Titans defense during their impressive five game win streak with wins over the chiefs, Bills, and most recently, the Los Angeles Rams. Since week five, they are first in point differential, tied for first in turnover difference, and tied for second in sacks. That pass rush was absolutely non-existent last year. Now it's arguably one of the best of the league. Look at that front. Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Bud Dupree. Can you think of any front playing better football right now? It's hard to find. It's very hard define and especially Jeffrey Simmons I mean there were plays he was I mean 10 yards deep into the backfield just pushing offensive linemen out of his way he looked like a man among boys just throwing around 320 pound guards I mean unbelievable performance what a job by Mike Vrabel to get that defense turned around big credit to defensive coordinator Shane Bowen Indeed. Uh, what were your main takeaways from week nine, Hal? Well, I, a uh, lot of them are there. I've got to say, Justin Fields, we've talked about him a lot. What a performance he had. Uh, you know, didn't get the W, but looked like the quarterback that everyone expected him to be. Uh, great to see that. And then on the other side, speaking of young quarterbacks, Jordan Love uh not so good there um so <laughs> that was not the performance i think a lot of people in green bay were hoping to see and brandon staley ignoring my advice last week from the challenge flag to stop going for it on fourth down and trust your defense goes for it on fourth and in, in inches in a vital part of the game and they actually convert it. So maybe he just needed the right place to call. I'm not sure there, but but great job there, uh, Brandon Staley, making me look foolish. I appreciate it. I think you actually challenged Kevin Stefanski to stop going for a fourth down and not Staley. Well, I, I should have done both of them, but either <laughs> or. <laughs> All right, I, I get it. But uh, Brandon Staley going for a fourth down turned out to be the prudent move this past Sunday in Philadelphia. And now it's time to hand out 
our 2021 midseason awards. And we start with the league MVP. And this race for the league MVP, just like the road to the Super Bowl, is wide, wide, wide open. It took a long time for me to get to a name, but I settled on this one. This team, during training camp, was hit with devastating injury after devastating injury. People were wondering, oh, will this team be able to stay afloat even this season? And they suffer a heartbreaking loss in week one where the offensive line looks absolutely putrid. And the narrative on this guy was he can't play from behind, but he has led his team to three cup from behind victories facing double digit second half deficits. And he has taken his game to an entirely new level. You thought he could beat you with just his legs. He could beat you with his arm just as much, if not more so right now. He is Lamar Jackson for the second time in three years. It wouldn't shock me if he gets MVP honors. He is my MVP at midseason because without Lamar Jackson, no way the Ravens have the success they're um, experiencing right now. David, great, great point on Lamar Jackson. And, you know, like you said, difficult, difficult field to navigate through. I think a week ago, I might have had a different answer, maybe Kyler Murray. But when you see Colt McCoy go out there and, you know, light it up in that offense, you kind of take a step back. And and Murray had such a great start last year and the injuries hit him down the stretch. And of course, Matthew Stafford gets a lot of attention as well. And then last week, he all of a sudden looked like Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford, instead of Rams, Matthew Stafford. So that puts a pump the brakes a little bit there. But, um, you know, MVP, one name I haven't heard And I think it's just a matter of taking this guy for granted because year after year after decade after decade, he just goes out there and continues to keep winning and playing at an MVP level. And I mean, my goodness, Tom Brady just, he's 44 years old. This just isn't supposed to happen. He's not supposed to be, you know, leading these categories at the midpoint season at age 44, 331 yards per game average passing right now, leading the league in touchdowns, yeah, even with the bye game in there. I mean, this is just ridiculous that a player at this age, at playing at this level as he has his yeah, completion percentage is up, yards per attempt, touchdown percentage, everything is up over last year. It's just mind-boggling to see. So I could get I can buy into your Lamar Jackson definitely, but I'm gonna go the other way and say Tom Brady, don't overlook him. It never pays to overlook Tom Brady. It never pays to overlook Tom Brady. Indeed, I could definitely buy into Tom Brady as league MVP this year, but there is a case for Lamar Jackson as well. So neither of us are wrong there, but hopefully we will get a clear answer in the second half of the season. What about offensive player of the year? You go first here, Hal. I have Lamar Jackson as my offensive player of the year, but this was not easy. I mean, Derek Henry really should be that, but being injured, I kind of took him off the list. Um, he really was the offensive player of the year for the first half. But uh, Cooper Cup definitely deserves mention. How about James Conner in Arizona leading the league in touchdowns? I mean, talk about surprises. Uh, Justin Herbert's been having a great season. Yes, he slowed down a little a couple weeks ago, but he looks like he's bounced back and primed for a big second half um but yeah i had lamar jackson on my list as the offensive player of the year so hal with lamar jackson not as his mvp but as his offensive player of the year and for my offensive player of the year i'm going with the guy you mentioned i'm going with cooper cup cooper cup is having an historically elite season for wide receivers and just this past sunday he became just the fifth player the fifth player in NFL history with at least 1,000 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns in his team's first nine games. That's how special a season Cooper Cup is having, and I just couldn't ignore that. Cooper Cup is my Offensive Player of the Year at midseason. For Defensive Player of the Year, I mentioned the Tennessee Titans defense at the top of the program. 
but I'm going with the heart and soul of their defense as defensive player of the year. No offense to Jeffrey Simmons, who's growing into the star most of us expected him to be when he got drafted in 2019. I'm talking about safety, Kevin Byard, and a lot of those big wins the Titans have had on this winning streak. He has come up with big play after big play after big play, whether that interception against Josh Allen or the um, pick six on Sunday night against Matthew Stafford just a couple days ago. Kevin Byard, he is the leader of that defense. He has been around um, the longest, uh, more than any other player on that starting defense, and he just um, makes all the big plays for that defense, and he is one of the top safeties in the game, maybe even the best safety in the game. I'm going with Kevin Byard. David, I cannot argue with that. He was on my list of finalists for sure. Um, very, very tough choice. I mean, in the secondary, Kevin Byard, I'd throw Trayvon Diggs from Dallas there as well. J.C. Jackson for New England. Again, nobody's had more interceptions than J.C. Jackson over these past, you know, whatever. Pick the date, time, year, two years, three years. Um, he has stepped into that number one for Stefan uh, Gilmore and looked fantastic. I throw in Matt Judon there for New England as well. TJ Watt, always a contender for Defensive Player of the Year. He has uh, has all the bona fides as well. But as far as you know, domination, I've got to go with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett has just continued this year. Um, I mean, he's just blowing his stats from last year out of the water where he was a defensive player of the year category for the entire season. And here, halfway through the season, he has as many sacks as he had last year. He has more tackles for loss, uh, almost as many tackles. He, his game is just so, so strong. He's the leader of that Cleveland defense, and he has to be accounted for on every single snap. So, uh, I'm going on mine, Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett was my Defensive Player of the Year at the quarter poll, and I cannot find any fault with that decision either, Hal. And let's talk about the rookies now, starting on the offensive side of the ball. Who is your Offensive Rookie of the Year at midseason? Yeah, again, the, there's a lot of uh, good players here. Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year, I, you know, I always want to give love to those offensive linemen. So Rashawn Slater. We talked about him uh, a week or two ago, David. He has just been fantastic. Uh, Christian Darrisaw in Minnesota. I love seeing Najee Harris with Pittsburgh. Uh, so great to watch him uh, really blossoming here, especially in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I look at Kyle Pitts in Atlanta as well, but I'm still stuck on Jamar Chase. He's got to be my choice. He's a historic rookie of the year right now on offense and uh you know a huge reason why we can talk about cincinnati as part of the division and and playoffs jamar chase just impact player i i can't emphasize that enough he's just at the top of that list for me sound that simpatico alert how beep 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 beep, beep. we yeah. got it Jamar Chase is my offensive rookie of the year as well. Unfortunately, none of the quarterbacks have been as consistent and historic as he has been so far. But uh, Jamar Chase reuniting him with Joe Burrow was probably the best thing to happen to both him and Joe Burrow. They are like uh, peanut butter and jelly, dare I say. They were just meant to always go together. And uh, just picking up right where they left off at LSU it's just produced magical results so far for the Bengals. And yes, the Bengals might be on a losing streak right now, but they are far better than what we anticipated them to be this season, in large part due to that partnership being reunited. And for Defensive Rookie of the Year, at the quarter poll, I went with another Penn State that he lied in Odafe Owe. While he has been an absolute stud for the Ravens, what Micah Parsons is doing in Dallas is just freakishly athletic and historic, whether at off-ball linebacker or edge, he is just producing. Micah Parsons just became the first player in NFL history with 50 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and five sacks through his first eight career games. That's how special a rookie season Micah Parsons is having. He is my defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year at midseason. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that at all, David, and that's exactly who I had pegged for it as well. 
Um, you know, I had on my finalist Owe as well. He's been fantastic in Baltimore. Uh, Gregory Rousseau's really coming on for Buffalo, adding to that pass rush this year. Um, even Aziz Ojulari, Ojulari in New York has been fantastic for them, uh, really coming on. But Micah Parsons heads and tails above everyone else. I mean, just that versatility of being able to play inside and at an all pro level as a rookie and then going out on the edge and doing the same thing. I mean, that's not supposed to happen in the NFL. That's not supposed to happen with rookies. And uh, Parsons has just been doing it all for Dallas and he's just changed that entire defense. He's been such a huge part of that defensive identity and, and why the Cowboys are legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year. And for comeback player of the year, for me, we stay in Dallas because Dak Prescott is having easily the best season of his career. He might have had a little hiccup last week against the Broncos, but I don't see that continuing. I see him getting back to his uh, old self very, very quickly. Dak, he has blossomed into a top five quarterback uh, confession before the season. I thought Dak was a top 10 quarterback, but not necessarily in that Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes club, dare I say. I, I just thought he was just helped by his supporting cast all the time, but he's proven me completely wrong this year. Just look at who he's making stars out of. He's making stars out of Dalton Schultz. He's making stars out of Cedric Wilson. He is just elevating everybody around him like he never has before in his career. Dak, he has become a top five quarterback in the NFL after coming off of injury. That alone deserves comeback player of the year honors. Oh, without a doubt, David, you know, I mean, I, I was trying to make a case for, for myself just to be different and say Joe Burrow, but I can't, I mean, I just cannot. Dak has been so, so good. I mean, as good as he looked last year, prior to the injury, he's back even stronger, um, even better. I mean, he, You've laid it out perfectly. I can't do anything to add to that. I can just agree. Dak Prescott, comeback player of the year. And what about most improved player of the year, Hal? Uh, most improved? Uh, boy, I'll tell you, this is another tough one here as far as the improvement because there's so, so many uh, players that have taken that that big step forward. Uh so much improvement uh i'd love to give it to joe burrow I, i'm trying to give him as many awards as i can but i mean he was great last year before he got injured too so i can't do that here uh for him but um yeah it, it's it's a tough choice to 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 narrow down on who is that most improved player uh who's really taking that big step forward i've got so many so many players, I had a hard time narrowing this down. I'm going to give it to Kyla Murray. He's been so good, but this year he's brought it to another level and sustained that level and brought Arizona up into a legitimate Super Bowl contending team this year as well. Uh, as good as he was as a rookie, as strong as he started last year before fading down the stretch, this year, it's just incrementally so much better. The completion percentage, more than five points higher, on pace to shatter 4,000 yards passing, almost up to the number of touchdowns he had last year, interceptions down, yards per attempt, everything across the board is up, sacks are down. It's got to be Kyler Murray for me. I am going out on quite a limb here for most improved player. In the 2020 NFL draft, when the Atlanta Falcons were on the clock with the 16th overall pick, I was screaming at my television, take CD Lab and create a three-headed monster at wide receiver with him, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, because Julio Jones is getting old and you might have to say goodbye to him soon. Well, they did say goodbye to Julio, but they didn't select uh, CD Lab. They selected AJ Terrell out of Clemson, and they were chastised by almost every major draft pick for that pick as a reach, but AJ Terrell this season, he's quietly becoming a top 10 corner in the NFL. 
Teams are hesitant to throw his way. He is constantly shutting down whoever he is guarding and allowing less than 50 yards almost every week. A.J. Terrell, he is a big reason and an underrated reason why the Atlanta Falcons are probably going to be in the playoff hunt from now until the very end of the season because not only is Matt Ryan and that new Arthur Smith offense humming, but that defense is playing far, far better than most thought in large part due to the vast improvement of A.J. Terrell. He is my most improved player of the year at midseason. Out on a limb. I like it, David. Great choice. And, and like you said, a great reason why Arizona, uh, Atlanta keeps hanging around here and are, you know, you keep looking at how does this team stay in the playoff race? Big reason right there. Great, great point, David. And last but not least, coach of the year for our midseason awards. Brandon Staley, I still think he has excellent potential, but I have to go with Cliff Kingsbury here. Just look at how amazing he has done this year coaching. A lot of people say, oh, coaches are only as good as their players, but a great coach, one of the testaments that makes a coach great is that his charisma, his persona, his message rubs off on other coaches. He had to miss a game due to COVID-19, yet the Cardinals did not skip a beat because of Vance Joseph and Jeff Rogers. And because of Cliff Kingsbury's leadership, Vance Joseph has like a rediscovered uh whatever he's rediscovered and he is going to become a head coach again, most likely because of the great job he has done after some awful years as head coach with the Denver Broncos. He's uh, gotten the Oof. utmost out of Vance Joseph as a defensive coordinator. And last week without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, I was like, "Uh Oh, the Cardinals could lose again. Colt McCoy just didn't miss a beat. They just, marched up and down the field against the 49ers like Kyler Murray was actually playing. That just speaks to the job Cliff Kingsbury is doing. And I believe no coach, not named Matt Nagy or Vic Fangio, was on a hotter seat heading into this season than Cliff Kingsbury. And Cliff Kingsbury's Cardinals have the best record of the NFL at 8-1 and one at the midway point of the season. And that alone deserves the Coach of the Year honors at midseason, Cliff Kingsbury. Exactly who I had circled as well. Um, you know, every time we talk about the coach of the year, we always talk about these younger coaches that usually are getting that. And Kingsbury is the top of that hill. Uh, you got to mention Zach Taylor, the job he's done in Cincinnati, Arthur Smith in Atlanta. And I always like to point out that older guard of coaches who are never going to win the coach of the year. Uh, there's just no chance of it, but their teams are outperforming those expectations. And that trio, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, all three of those coaches are overachieving with their teams, but there's no chance. They're, they're never going to get coach of the year here. But um, And last but not least, I, I got to throw in Mike Vrabel as well as a contender because, again, Tennessee, the improvements on that defense, um, the way that they played without Derrick Henry and, and how if they continue that on the second half of the season, we might just see Vrabel um, – you know, stealing that coach of the year trophy by the end of the year. But, but I had as well, Cliff Kingsbury for Arizona um, slam dunk coach of the year right now. And now it's time to play our favorite game here on sports crunch truth or exaggeration. You know, this game works Sal. I will make a statement and you decide whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating. And you explain why you think I'm doing one or the other. And we start with the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers should either take Personnel power away from Kyle Shanahan after the season or fire him. Truth or exaggeration? You know, the knee-jerk reaction is exaggeration. I mean, <laughs> but at the same time, when you look at those results in San Francisco, you really got to say, you know, I mean, we've taken – I mean, how many – how many excuses do we get here? Um, you know, how long does he ride on that one Super Bowl visit? Because things are not looking good in San Francisco right now. And they don't look like they're going to be trending up anytime soon. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, 
you know, you pick Trey Lance at your quarterback and there's maybe one first round pick that isn't uh, one first round quarterback that hasn't gotten sustained playing time or, or hasn't shown in that opportunity. And that's looking like uh, Trey Lance. So that's your guy. I'm really, really concerned here. Um, you know, really say, you know, feasted uh, early in the season and now things look really, really bad. So, yeah, I mean, I think we have to look at that as a truth here, David. It, it seems like an exaggeration, but in that hyper-competitive NFC West, there's no time for standing still and there's no time for step backward. Um, they need to be in a win now, and that falls on the shoulders of Kyle Shanahan. Justin Fields who you mentioned at the top of the broadcast will become a top 10 quarterback in the NFL at some point next season, if not sooner. And by the way, we can safely assume that Matt Nagy is going to be fired. Truth or exaggeration. All right. You, you put in the, the Matt Nagy requirement there. So, so that, that with that, yes. I mean, the, so much talent in Justin Fields. So, so much. Um, I mean, this guy can do it all if he has the opportunity and he has the offense, the right offense around him. He, you see him growing, not just game to game, but quarter to quarter out on the field. I mean, just an amazing talent. Oh, you know, you, you can see how he lifts those players around him. Definitely a truth. I've got to go. Definitely a truth. Yes, and didn't he have like his football bar mitzvah, dare I say, this past Monday against the Steelers? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, like uh, most quarterbacks would have just folded being under that kind of pressure early in the game, but he just stood in there and kept delivering strike after strike after strike and leading the first cup from behind go-ahead score the fourth quarter of his NFL career, and it's going to be the first of many. Definitely, definitely. That was a prime time coming out performance. And yeah, I expect to see a lot more out of the, a lot more of those out of Justin Fields in the coming year. Same here. And speaking of quarterbacks, we go to Buffalo where Josh Allen, and just for the record, I do not mean the Josh Allen wearing number 41 on the Jaguars. <laughs> Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen has taken a massive step backward this season. Truth or exaggeration? I'm going to go with an exaggeration. I think there have been struggles, and that's related to some problems up front. Buffalo's had some injuries on that offensive line. That's affected him. He's pressing a little. I think he's got a, you know, a get-well game here this week against the Jets coming up. I think we're going to see Josh Allen back on track. So I'm going to go with an exaggeration there. Your New England Patriots will win the AFC East. Truth or exaggeration? I still think Buffalo's the, the best team. I think Josh Allen's going to bounce back. I'll say the Patriots are in great shape for a wild card. I think they'll beat the Bills at least once in their two matchups, but exaggeration they're a wild card team right now the bills are the best of the afc east and will win that division by the end of the season it's going to be fascinating to see whether you underestimate your patriots or not my friend the atlanta falcons who we talked about just a couple minutes ago will make the playoffs as a wild card truth or exaggeration yeah i'm going truth I, you know as crazy as that seems <laughs> again on the knee jerk reaction i don't think carolina is going to get edge past them i'm not holding my breath on san francisco or seattle uh as much as i'd love to see justin fields in the bears i think that ship sailed for this season as far as the playoffs the eagles are going to have to pass the ball to win the game at some point so they're out of the question the giants don't have the horses the only one I can see is Minnesota and 
the cell, ugh, you know, I, I just don't see Minnesota turning that around here in the second half of the season. Their schedule is way too tough. They still have to play the Packers twice. They've and got don't the forget Dal- Dalvin Cook's legal issues. Oh, my oh, goodness. Gosh. Now you add that into the equation, and that's just one more headache for this team that they don't need. Yeah, I'm going to go truth Atlanta final wild card. The Rams' lack of physicality, as we saw on Sunday night against the Titans, will prevent them from reaching Super Bowl 56. Truth or exaggeration? No, I'm going to go with an exaggeration. Exaggeration on this one. I think um, they're still a definite contender. They belong in the conversation. And they, they may not be able to, you know, grind it out there. But they've got enough horses up front on that offensive line. They've got the the defense that can handle it. And, you know, if anybody's going to take this loss, absorb it, and find a way to make sure it doesn't happen again, I put my faith in Sean McVay for that. So uh, I'll definitely go exaggeration as far as that with the Rams. And last but not least for truth or exaggeration this week, the Chiefs' defense is actually better than the Chiefs' offense. Truth or exaggeration? <laughs> oh, as bad as they looked early in the season, at, at this point right now, I think that is a truth. I, I don't know how they're going to fix this in Kansas City. I, I just am flabbergasted at how this offense has fallen off this year and the play of Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, I, I hate to say that I cursed him by drafting him and my fantasy football team, but that usually is the, that usually does in both my team and the players. So maybe that was the problem there for Patrick Mahomes this year, and he just doesn't realize it. But um, but yeah, right now the last four weeks that defense has been phenomenal after putting up five weeks of a stinker, and that offense for the first four weeks of the season for Kansas city that looked like, you know, same old, same old top offense uh, after that Philadelphia game in week four has gone downhill in a hurry. And so, yeah, I'm going to say as crazy as it sounds, that is a truth. The Kansas city defense is outplaying the Kansas city offense. And speaking of the chiefs, the chiefs travel to Las Vegas to face the Raiders on Sunday night football this week. That is our game of the week. And continuing with the Chiefs for a moment, during the vast majority of their game against the Packers on Sunday, that Chiefs offense, they looked absolutely putrid. Yet on the third now conversion pass from Patrick Mahomes to Tyree Kill that sealed the game, I screamed at my television, that's the Patrick Mahomes we all know. Do you think that play will provide the spark that positively changes the trajectory of the Chiefs offense and most importantly their season? Probably not, but <laughs> it's, it could. I mean, yeah, they have to do a little self-scouting there and reestablish what this Chiefs offense is right now because teams are taking away Tyreek Hill over the top. You've got to treat him as your dynamic playmaker and design your offense to get the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands 15 times, no matter where he is on the field, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, within five yards, 10 yards, because he remains the most dynamic player in the NFL with the ball in his hands. You don't need to throw it 40 yards to him to gain 40 yards. And they have to adjust their offense to do that. And getting the ball in his hands making him the workhorse of that offense is going to settle down Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. And that's the way to focus on that offense going forward. So if that's a step in that direction, then yeah, that, that may turn that season around because as inconsistent as the chiefs have been on both sides of the ball, they're in the thick of the race right now in the AFC West. They most certainly are. And let's talk about the Raiders right now who lost in an upset special to the New York Giants last weekend. And it was clear in that game just how much they miss Henry Ruggs, especially on that pick six from Derek Carr to Xavier McKinney. McKinney clearly cheated 
in air quotes, by lining up far closer to the line of scrimmage than he would have been able to had Henry Ruggs been available. Thus, it is no wonder that just hours, hours after the game, the Raiders brought in Deshaun Jackson. How big of an impact do you expect DJX to have for the Raiders on Sunday? You know, Deshaun Jackson's one of those players that can make an instant impact. You know, um, I thought Josh Gordon would have that impact in Kansas City, and he certainly has not this season. So I'm a little wary of that with these veteran receivers changing teams so far. But I do have to say, if there's anybody that can have that impact and you know, you can't cheat down the field because as little as Deshaun Jackson was used this year, he still has that speed. He still has that body control to make that catch 30, 40 yards down the field and position himself with that veteran savvy to take the safety out of the play and make that play or draw that defensive uh, penalty. He's going to be a great fit, I think for this Raiders offense and give them that downfield threat, stretch that offense that opens things up underneath for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro that they so desperately need without Henry Ruggs on the team anymore. Yeah. And don't forget Brian Edwards as well, but they have to look yes. to him more often now. And he's come up with a lot of big plays this season, and this would be a great week to get him back in the thick of things, so to speak. And what key matchups are you keeping an eye on during Sunday night's game? that could decide who has first place in the AFC West. Well, I mean, when you're talking about the, the Chiefs and the Raiders, I, I've got to go right to that uh, Kansas City offensive line. They've got to protect Patrick Mahomes. They've got to somehow uh, keep that Raiders pass rush off of him. Max Crosby has been fantastic this season. Uh, the Raiders just roll out that pass rush. Nagakwe as well on the other side, they can bring the pressure. They've done a great job of it this year. And really, if, if they're disrupting Patrick Mahomes and they're not letting the Chiefs run the ball, that's going to be a big, big headache for the Chiefs. So uh, looking out on the edge, Orlando Brown, who's had some struggles in pass protection this year for the Chiefs, uh, he's going to be under the spotlight for this uh, primetime game. Yeah, and uh, I agree about Max Crosby. He has been playing as good as any edge pass rusher in the National Football League this season. That game against the Broncos that I saw in Denver against the Raiders, when I was in the front row, Max Crosby almost single-handedly dominated that game for the Raiders on defense, uh, having two or three sacks in that game. I can't recall if it was two or three, but it was multiple sacks. I, I definitely remember that. And uh, he was just a wrecking ball all game long, whether it showed up on the stat sheet or not. And uh, he's going to have a very favorable matchup going against Orlando Brown Jr. Yes, the Chiefs traded away a first-round pick to get Orlando Brown Jr., but he is an absolute liability in pass protection. And putting Max Crosby on him, he's going to have his hands full. That is for sure. And, you know, even on the, uh, even on the inside, um, you know, again, if Kansas City is trying to establish an offensive identity and take some pressure off Mahomes and run the football, they're going to have to do that behind that, those rookies on the inside, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, um, who are going to see a lot of that interior Jonathan Hankins and, and Quinton Jefferson there for the Raiders. So winning those battles inside, that's going to be one of those um, big matchups that going to go a long way towards determining how comfortable that Kansas city offense can get. And who do you think prevails Sunday evening in Vegas? You know, this is a, this is a tough one. I mean, so much swirling around the Raiders so far this season. I mean, it seems like every week now there's, there's something from the, the John Gruden to the Henry rugs to the, uh, you know, Arnett. Damon Arnett just this week. That's the one I couldn't think of. Yes. So it's just something every, every week now for the Raiders. But um, I, I think this is a big game for the, for the Raiders. They may have been caught looking ahead a little bit last week in that loss to the Giants as well and had their focus on this game. This is for them. This They're looking at this as this, their season. You know, my my brain says Kansas City. My heart says Las Vegas. I'm going to go with the Raiders, 30 to 27 over the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. 
I just do not see this slump continuing for this Chiefs offense any longer. I believe that that third down conversion to ice the game for patch bulbs to Tyree Kill provides a spark for this offense to give them much needed confidence headed into this game. And uh, they will uh, come out guns a blazing on Sunday night football. They are not going to want to be embarrassed offensively on national television, especially Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're going to find a way to get 30 points on the board and win this game. I like the chiefs. And now let's pick all the rest of these week 10 games tonight, a snoozer, the Baltimore Ravens and my midseason MVP, Lamar Jackson, traveling to Miami to take on Jacoby Brissett, most likely, and the Dolphins. Well, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or Tua, Ravens winning a blowout. We'll probably be um, going to bed by halftime. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, David. I've got it a snoozer as well. I have Baltimore winning by 20 points, 30 to 13 over the Dolphins. And what could be a very low scoring game on Sunday. The Cleveland Browns at five and four travel to Foxborough to take on your New England Patriots at five and four. I was struggling to pick a winner for this game until I heard the news that Nick Chubb is probably not going to be able to play because he tested positive for COVID-19 and the Browns are going to be down to just Dearness Johnson and maybe a couple of practice squad bodies at the running back position and as outstanding and elite as that Browns offensive line is. I don't think it's going to be enough against the Patriots who are one of the more balanced teams of the league, especially the past couple of weeks. Mac Jones is going to lead just enough scoring drives to pull off a 16 to 13 victory. Sound that simpatico alert, David. I have that just about the same, um, you know, stop Chubb and you get the dub is basically the, the buzzword going into the game, but you know, without Chubb. Yeah. I, the Patriots defense can match up physically with the Cleveland offense. There's not many defenses that are that physical. I see it low scoring close and the Patriots doing just enough to pull out that win 19 to 16. The Buffalo bills after that absolutely atrocious showing in Jacksonville traveling to East Rutherford to take on Mike white and the New York jets. The Jets tend to be very feisty playing against the better teams in the league. And that's uh, one of the more puzzling things about the Jets this year. They always play their best against the best and always play their worst against whoever else. But that said, I do not see Sean McDermott letting the Bills lose two straight to two of the bottom feeders in the NFL. I think it stays close for about a half, maybe a little bit of the third quarter as well. But I think the Bills pull away in the end. I like the Bills 31 to 20. Yeah, I don't know, David. After last week, I guess I could pick the Jets and then nobody would bat an eye, but I don't see the Mike White magic uh, against that Buffalo defense. I think they're going to have a lot of troubles trying to score uh, against Buffalo. I see the Bills winning pretty handily here, 24 to 10 over the Jets. The Dallas Cowboys, after that stinker, against my Denver Broncos that I absolutely did not expect. I expected them to lay 60 <laughs> on them. And that's why I gladly ate a plate of crow and put on my dunce cap on Sunday. They host the red hot surging Atlanta Falcons at Jerry world this Sunday. And as much as I am bullish on the Falcons, making it to the playoffs as a wild card, I do not see Dak Prescott letting the Cowboys uh, lose two in a row. I think this game's going to be very close, and I fully expect the Falcons to cover the spread, but I think Dak and the offense do just enough to pull out a win this week. It's going to be close, but I like the Cowboys, say, 31 to 28. Yeah, I, I think Dallas, you know, we're going to see that character this week. I think you're going to see the defense step up uh, this week and have a big performance for the Cowboys Dak back on track. I've got it 29 to 20 Dallas over Atlanta. The Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady traveling to Washington to take out the Washington football team. Now it's a real possibility. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be without Antonio Brown, Gronk and Chris Godwin in this game. So Tom Brady, he has his work cut out for him, but uh, could things be ripe for an upset? I still don't think so. I do not think so one bit. I think uh, 
the Bucks with that offensive line, they're going to give Brady more than enough time to hit Mike Evans or Cameron Braid or Tyler Johnson or rookie Jalen Dowden or Gio Bernard out of the backfield and get Leonard Fournette going on the ground uh, against a Washington team that actually defends the run very well. But I think this Bucks offensive line can make it hard for them to defend the run. I really, really can. Uh, Bucks, uh, they should still have no problems with this game. It might be lower scoring than many expect, but let's say 23 to 10 over the Washington football team, Bucks win. Yeah, without Chris Godwin, I revised my score down. Um, Brady only throws for five touchdown passes instead of six. So 35 to 13, Tampa over Washington. The New Orleans Saints, after that heartbreaking loss at home to the Atlanta Falcons, traveling to Music City in Nashville, home of tonight's CMA Awards, to take on the Tennessee Titans and that defense. And I just do not see Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, for that matter, having that much success against the Titans defense. It's going to be close. It's going to be relatively low scoring. But I think Ryan Tannehill and uh, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, make just enough plays in the passing game for the Titans to eke out a 24-20 win. Yeah, I, I was looking for an upset special, and I really had my eye on this game. And I said, you know, can can they throw out Taysom Hill and, and basically, you know, just run the option down Tennessee's throat and, you know, take away that uh, pass rush, take away that strong secondary play and, and make it a rock fight. And I nah, I, I don't really think they're going to be able to do that in New Orleans. So I've got uh, Mike Vrabel's squad winning pretty handily here, 27 to 16 over the Saints. The Jacksonville Jaguars, after that 9-6 upset special over the Bills, traveling to Indy to take on the Colts. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be lucky two weeks in a row. I think the Colts are coming off uh, that additional rest from Thursday Night Football last week and that running game with Jonathan Taylor, who's oh. probably going to be the league rushing champion this year, and Naeem Hines. Uh, they just get it done all game long. It's not going to be close. Colts 27, Jaguars 10. Yeah, the Colts are trying to get back to 500 and get and keep their keep pace for that final wild card spot in the AFC. They're looking at this a, a game with urgency. Uh, I think they'll take it pretty easily. I have it 30 to 17, uh, Colts over Jacksonville. The Pittsburgh Steelers, after nearly losing in heartbreaking fashion to Justin Fields and the Bears, faced the winless Detroit Lions at home. Some people say, oh, could this be a letdown game for the Steelers? As much as I would like it to be for Dan Campbell's sake, I don't see it happening with a Mike Tomlin coach team. I just don't. The Lions may make this game a lot more interesting than some people think, but I just don't see Jared Goff having the exact same success against the Steelers' defense as Justin Fields had. Jared Goff is no Justin Fields, period, end of story. I like the Steelers of this game. It might be close for about a half or so, but Steelers pull away in the end. 28 to 17. Yeah, you know, it, against this defense, you're going to see Jared Goff do some horrible Jared Goff thing, whether he's throwing it at pirouette interception again or, or you know, multiple fumbles. You, you know he's going to screw it up one way or the other. I mean, I'm just happy Detroit managed to hold on and not lose during their bye week. So I've got it. Pittsburgh 24, Detroit 13. The Minnesota Vikings and the season on the brink travel to SoFi Stadium to take on the Chargers. And the Vikings gave the Ravens a scare last week. But with this Dalvin Cook news, I think it's going to create a cloud over this team that they're not going to be able to recover from, maybe not for the rest of this season. And uh, whether Mike Zimmer has their ear is still up for debate. And that just shows you that the Vikings are a team going in the wrong direction. And uh, Justin Herbert, after seeing Lamar Jackson do what he did to that Vikings secondary last week, as long as uh, the Vikings cannot put pressure on Justin Herbert, he'll eat them up all game long. I like the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert, you know, we saw two tough defenses give him some headaches. He had a 
terrible performance against Baltimore. New England uh, really held him in check again the next week as well, but he certainly bounced back against the Eagles. Uh, you know, I look at that as he learned lessons there that are going to help Herbert in the second half of the season and his continued maturation as a passer. I don't think he'll have any trouble with Minnesota. Uh, this looks like an easy win. I've got it 30 to 13 chargers over the Vikings. The Arizona Cardinals look to go nine and one against the Carolina Panthers Sunday afternoon in the desert. I was originally thinking about making this an upset special, believe it or not. And uh, actually could PJ Walker be an upgrade over Sam Darnold? I am not sure he won't be an upgrade, but it looks like Kyler Murray, as he said today, He's going to play on Sunday. I think he is going to play on Sunday. He's very optimistic about being able to play this weekend. I think uh, the Cardinals uh, definitely put it back in. And I think uh, he had the uh, Cardinals uh, roll over the Panthers uh, 24 to 7. You know, David, um, I said I have this one with the highlighted underline trap game. Kyler Murray rushing back, maybe not quite 100%, uh, fall behind early. How's Carolina going to do it? I guess I have to save that for my bold prediction, but I'll say Carolina 29, Arizona 28. Luke Combs, who I saw on Cotton on Friday night, he is the biggest Carolina Panthers fan on the planet. I am not kidding. He would absolutely love hearing what you said. I, I guarantee <laughs> he would. And uh, my Denver Broncos trap game hosting the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday at Empower Field at Mile High. Now, I'm a warrior by nature. <laughs> and the Broncos are absolutely banged up on the offensive line. They are going to be starting two reserve tackles and at one reserve guard against a beastly defensive front that is the Eagles and the Eagles also have a beastly offensive line. Jalen hurts is not going to have to do that much to win this game. I think the Broncos after absolutely dominating the Cowboys in the trenches last Sunday, they absolutely get dominated in the trenches in this game by the Eagles, the Eagles. They aren't as bad as their record. They may be three at six, but they don't get blown out. The Broncos, if there's any logic to the NFL, especially when it comes to the Broncos of their season, it's illogic. And the only way their win over the Cowboys will make more sense to me is if they lose this game to the Eagles. I like the Eagles. Ooh, no, David, I've been doing it for you all year. I'm going to build up, build up your Broncos here. It's a different offense with Jerry Judy at wide receiver. Instant, you know, saw it last week. You know, he's an instant spark to that offense. And, you know, I've just got to say, I, I, I didn't get to this in all of my week nine impressions. Javante Williams. Javante Williams. What a one-two. What a one-two punch with him and Melvin Gordon there. They can wear down any defense. I'm going to tell you that right now. That is, oh, a sight to behold. I'm taking Denver. I think it'll be close. I think they'll pull it out 24 to 20 over the Eagles. Russell Wilson returning this Sunday for the Seattle Seahawks going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is uh, coming back most likely from COVID this weekend. I see a very close game. I really do. The Seahawks clearly have their season on the line at three and five, and this could very well be the beginning of the end of Russell Wilson in Seattle. It could very well be. I'm not joking. It's been speculated by Jay Glazer that he will indeed seek a trade after the season as he's grown tired of the staleness of the Seahawks organization. But Russell Wilson's going to want to make every one of these games count for the Seahawks. I haven't picked an upset special yet. So what? I'm going for it. The Packers might be their last dance with Aaron Rodgers. The Seahawks are also their last dance with Russell Wilson. I'm going with Russ and the Seahawks in an upset. How? Stay tuned for bowl predictions. I like it, David. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you could pick uh, Russell Wilson over Dr. Rogers from the Green Bay Medical Center there, <laughs> head of medical research. Um, but yeah, I, Green Bay, so talented. 
I've got to take them over Seattle, but I think I agree. Seattle's going to be out there playing for their season, last gasp effort, but Packers take it 20 to 16. The Los Angeles Rams look to bounce back after that horrible showing on Sunday night football against the Titans. And I think they do going against the 49ers, a team that is absolutely reeling right now on Monday night football. Yes. You could talk about division games being different, the 49ers just got their butts kicked by Colt McCoy and the Cardinals for crying out loud. I would expect no less for the Rams against the 49ers. I like the Rams in an absolute dominating blowout, 34-17. to 17. Yeah, I, I think the 49ers, I think we've seen that that, that ship has sailed. This season's lost. Um, you know, it, it's going to get to the point where, you know, get Trey Lance in there, whether he's ready or not, because it's time to start thinking about 2022. Uh, this game could get real ugly, real fast, which is the last thing the NFL wants in a primetime game. But that's what I see. Rams 38, 49ers 10. And it's time to make our bold predictions for week 10. You go first here, Hal. All right, bold predictions. Well, uh, how is Carolina going to pull the upset special over arguably the best team in the NFL. Mr. Philip PJ Walker is who get rid of Sam Darnold. He's terrible. How did they even give up multiple draft picks for him? Get the mad bomber behind center coming out of temple, that quarterback breeding ground in college. No doubt about it. PJ Walker here. We're going to see a big, big game here. Um, yeah, he's only got one career touchdown pass against five interceptions. He may throw three interceptions, but he may throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns and lead Carolina on that final drive of the game. The, the go for the tie, forget it. Two point conversion, no time on the clock. 29, 28 Carolina PJ Walker, the mad bomber, 250 plus touchdown passes for total. That's my bold prediction. Ooh, that is bold indeed, and I like it. My bold prediction, it might not be bold in terms of the player, but it's probably bold in terms of the injuries coming off. Russell Wilson, in his game back from finger surgery that most people thought would keep him out at least two weeks longer, throws for 350 yards and more and four touchdowns in his return to action. That is my bold prediction for Week 10. And now it's time to toss our challenge flags. And my challenge flag goes to a quarterback that is rather underrated but needs to step up more than ever now, Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill, your defense carried the day for you last week in impressive fashion. But without Derrick Henry, you are going to have to take the reins of this offense. You are going to show why you are a top 10 quarterback in this league, as some people believe you are. Show that you are not Derrick Henry reliant. Get A.J. Brown more explosive plays. Get Julio Jones more involved. Keep making plays with your other wide receivers. Just take charge of the offense, Ryan Tannehill. That is my challenge. Just make plays, take charge, be yourself, and magic could happen. I like it, David. My challenge flag, it's going out to all four teams in the AFC West. How often at midseason do you have a half game separating all four teams? That division is up for the grab in the second half of the season. So the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers. Let me, let me channel my inner Dan Campbell here. Go get it. Who wants it? How bad do you want it? That division is yours. You can take it, any of you four teams, whoever wants it, go get it starting right now. That's my challenge flag. I want to see it. Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos, leave it out there for the entirety of the rest of the season. It's there for the taking. You put yourself in position. Go get it. He is Hale Bent, ladies and gentlemen, of BostonSportPage.com and Full Press Coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back same time next week to recap Week 10, preview Week 11, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. 
Meanwhile, please follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunchWithDCrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com. In addition, November is Salute to Service Month, where we honor our brave, heroic men and women in uniform. And that means it is time for the annual Cheer for the Troops campaign run by my good friends, who you hear at the beginning of every Sports Crunch episode, the Denver Broncos cheerleaders. Please click the link in my Twitter bio for more information on this incredible month-long event and make a donation that will help send a care package to active duty U.S. troops and military personnel currently stationed overseas. Hal, you already donated. I already donated. And folks, my friends, and more importantly, our troops would absolutely love and cherish your support. That right, Hal? That is absolutely correct. Get out there. Click the donation button. It's easy, and it's for the best cause there is, our veterans. Amen, Hal. And for Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and enjoy another fun football weekend, cats and kittens. Stay cool. (laughs) 